welcome to the Foodie Flashback. That is the podcast where we talk about food and about the memories associated with that. This is episode number six, and I have a very special guest this time. Uh, someone I haven't been on a podcast for a while, and I, I don't know, what was it last year we met last time? I think it was last year. Pretty sure. Yeah, I think like, it was, I think still, we came I think it was still 2019. Yeah, it I want to say like, it was like the summer. Yeah, feels like a, like another <laughs> like decade <Yeah>. almost. <laughs> I know. It does. It feels like it's been longer than it has. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah. But yeah, I think the last time we saw, I could check my Instagram history or something. But I yeah. want to guess like August, yeah, summer, so, somewhere around there. No, it was before. It was right before you left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before you got married. Like June, right July or something. June, July, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so like maybe, we got we yeah. got Melissa here, the Mac mommy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be here. So yeah, I mean, uh, like as I said, like we we have done podcasts before. You are to some extent yeah. a podcaster. I don't know. Have you released mm -hmm. anything recently? Oh yeah. Um, I do the geekiest show ever over on the MyMac Network, and nice. we do that every every other week, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been pretty regular. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a that's... not safe for work show. Just say no. <laughs> well, yeah, we need those too, and especially yeah. right now. So, yeah. So uh, I don't know how where we're going to jump in. I mean, I, I know quite a bit about you, but then there are a lot of mysteries. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I mean, I, I know that you like grew up in a like Italian family, but kind of. Mm -hmm. So where do we start there? I mean, food mm -hmm. in Italy, that's like a whole like whole separate story, I want to say. Like we could mm -hmm. like probably write books and like have another series just about Italians and food. Oh, yeah, um, cuz they love their food. Everybody yeah, loves absolutely their food. they do. Yeah, I have I have friends down there. So, I mean, how yeah. like how like how was that for you? Like how important was food when you grew up? When I was growing up, food was a very staple kind of uh, ritualized mm -hmm. kind of a thing because every Sunday we had spaghetti mm -hmm. every single Sunday. And it kind of always followed this kind of scope and sequence. And there were definitely, I would say, gendered and hierarchy kind of mm -hmm. a role you know, mm -hmm. growing up. So it's my mother's side that's the Italian side and my dad's side is the German. And, you know, we're kind of a Heinz 57 variety mix of, of people. And there's German and Irish on my <laughs> grandmother's side as well, but it's my it's my grandfather that's the Italian. Mm -hmm. um, so he is he was born in America, but his parents immigrated here. Mm -hmm. So I guess that makes us like third generation Italian or something. Yeah. And um, so growing up, we always had Sunday dinners, if you will. You mm -hmm. know, and when I say dinner, I'm meaning like Sunday was that day where you only had this one big huge meal in the mm -hmm. middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And like the, the entire beginning. The entire family mm -hmm. came together, like everybody, like mm -hmm. whatever, like yep. nieces and aunts and uncles and like everybody. It was, it was primarily, I guess, it, because there was a lot of church in mm -hmm. my upbringing. So we kind of like the church was like our second home. So mm -hmm. my grandmother was, for instance, she was the preschool teacher for like mm -hmm. 60 some years. You know, mm -hmm. my, my mother taught you know, first and third grade or something. For me growing up, like I'm not really associated with religion nowadays, but growing up, like Church was my second school. Like mm -hmm. I went to Sunday school just as regularly as, as, as I did regular mm -hmm. academic school. And so the church was a big thing. So Sundays, we always, you know, got together and did church things. And whether it was Sunday school or, you know, my mom would prepare lessons, my grandmother would, you know, they would all have these different functions and stuff. And um, so it was always kind of like church. And then we'd, we'd all, 
kind of go home, change out of our Sunday clothes, and mm-hmm. then we'd go back to my grandparents' house. Now, everybody lives within a couple of minutes away mm-hmm. from each other. Everybody's kind of very close and just everybody's in pe- <laughs> This is from back east in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. When you're, you're born Italian. there, you live there, you die there. <laughs> yeah, it's very, <laughs> Unless very, you're me. <laughs> also very Italian, I want to say. Like, I mean, staying kind of in the same, like, same general area, like even the same village yep. sometimes for generations. And yep, like for sure. coming together, like for, for Sunday dinner. Mm-hmm. I would say that it was um, usually the the same kind of cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And there was always like my, my aunts were always there. There were some people that lived a little bit further away, so they didn't visit all of the time. But we definitely had, you know, Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. you know, traditional holidays and stuff there. But it was just this tiny little house. And when I was a little kid, I remember thinking it was much larger than it actually is. Like mm-hmm. when I go back to visit, it's like, wow, this is a tiny little living room. This is a tiny little dining room. And yet we fit so many people in there and it never felt really that crowded. But when, when Sunday rolled around, it was always the time where like I said, we go to church and then we'd all go back to my grandparents' house and the cooking would begin, you know, mm-hmm. the, the meal prep. And so when you, when you say how important was food, it was like, everything kind of centered around that meal. And then once we had that meal and there were like certain kind of rituals that I'll get into in a second Mm -hmm. that were part of that meal. And then after that meal, it was like, that's when the men would like retire to the living room. Now, Mm -hmm. because it was such a small house, like, you know how you, you don't realize things when you're little and then you grow up and you look back and you think, Oh, that's why they did it that way. You know, (laughs) now it makes sense. So it was actually a very small home. And so, there wasn't as much room at the table. Like mm-hmm. in the dining room is where we would have like the extended families. So, like mm-hmm. when actually when cousins and other people came over, mm-hmm. then we'd extend it out into the dining room. But for mm-hmm. the most part, we all ate around the kitchen. So mm-hmm. there's the kitchen table and the dining room table. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got lots of tables, lots of places, <laughs> you know, lots of horizontal surfaces for for which to place food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that involved like a TV tray or something. But it was very gendered, I would say, because you know, with the men were kind of prioritized and they sat in the living room. They got mm-hmm. they got to eat in the living room, you know, so to speak. And the women would stay in the dining room and in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, we would do the dishes. So like I remember, you know, fond I have fond memories of growing up, you know, that's when the women would kind of like get together and talk and we would all do dishes. We, we didn't have a dishwasher back then. Mm-hmm. So it was a combination of hand washing and then dish yeah. drying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I should actually go back to the, the meal portion of it. So the memories that, that I have associated with it, of course, first is the smell, you know, just the mm-hmm. smell of, you know, so when you go back to the house, you know, after you've changed out your clothes and you come back to the house, you, you smell the smell of the pasta cooking, like the water boiling, mm-hmm. you know, you hear the water boiling, you smell the pasta cooking, and then you smell the spices and the sauce, you know, the mm-hmm. sauce is getting ready and that sort of thing. Yeah. Was that now, homemade pasta or was that like store-bought it was a combination. So mm-hmm. I have, I had seen, you know, store-bought, but then they also did have a pasta maker. Mm-hmm. So I have seen them, you know, make pasta at times. Um, but the sauce was homemade and the meatballs were homemade. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. My grandmother, she's still around. She's like 97. She's going to be 97. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my grandfather passed away a long time ago, but he was like the family, like patriarch, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they made the meal, now... Granted, they were married for a long, long time at this point when I'm a little kid. And they they each had their roles when it mm-hmm. came to the food. Now, the thing is, my grandmother is a vegan. She's mm-hmm. not just a vegetarian. She's a vegan. The only 
animal byproduct I ever saw her consume was a little bit of mozzarella cheese mm-hmm. on her sauce. That's it. Like she didn't touch meat. In fact, she was pretty fastidious about even like leather, you know, mm-hmm. clothing that she would wear, shoes that she mm-hmm. would wear. Like they couldn't be made out of leather. They had to be, you know, synthesized or, or something like mm-hmm. that. So she was pretty strict about that, but it was because she was an, she's an animal lover. Like she mm-hmm. one time rescued a butterfly. <laughs> you know, I mean, she would save anything. I watched her nurse like little babies of all different kinds of versions of animals. Like there was a kind of a zoo growing up. There's always like <laughs> animals somewhere around. Some injured animal was mm-hmm. always at the house. There was mm-hmm. always like an animal to be rescued. So because she didn't like to work with any kind of meat. That was my grandfather's role. So mm-hmm. my grandfather wasn't necessarily like the cook when it came to like the Sunday meal, mm-hmm. but he was the one that made the meatballs. Okay. Now, it'll be interesting to hear what other people say when they hear me say this, but I think that I have grown up with these traditions and these sayings mm-hmm. that I don't know if they're unique to my family and it could mm-hmm. just be like an Italian phrase. But when we were kids, we would say, Grandpa, why do you make the meatballs? Why does why does grandma make the spaghetti and why do you make the meatballs? And he, you know, as he was rolling it with his hands, he would say, because my hands taste better. <laughs> so I don't know if you've heard that phrase or not, but, you know, so your hands taste good. Like when mm-hmm. that's a compliment that you mm-hmm. give somebody when you've had some kind of meat or some food that they've prepared with their hands, mm-hmm. you say, oh, your hands taste good. <laughs> so sounds, I say that to my really husband. Weird. <laughs> it does sound really weird, but I'm telling you, this is just like strange phrases that, mm-hmm. that they would say. Mm-hmm. And so those have kind of become traditions or little cute little sayings that now we've incorporated into my family. So my husband, he, my husband is the foodie of this mm-hmm. family and he's the one that makes all kinds of dishes and stuff. And there's certain things that are our favorites, of course. Mm-hmm. And so for my husband, it's meatloaf or mm-hmm. meatloaf. Mm-hmm. The kids called it, they, they heard meat love. So that's what we call it now. Meat love, not meatloaf. It's called meat love. Oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. So, so we say daddy makes the meat love and his mm-hmm. hands taste good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Warm it with your hands. So that's one little tradition that's kind of carried mm-hmm, over. Mm-hmm. Now, another tradition that I remember growing up was, so this is all in like the scope and sequence of things. So, you know, you get there, you smell, you hear the water boiling, you smell the pasta, you mm-hmm. smell the sauce, and you see my grandfather working the meatballs into these, you know, perfect little re- round mm-hmm. balls. And so you kind of see these like, um, these roles that they have, these jobs mm-hmm. that they have to mm-hmm. do. And everybody kind of pitches in with like setting the table and things like that. But it's mostly my grandmother and my grandfather that are doing, you know, those kind of Mm -hmm. parts. Now, as the water is boiling and the pasta is getting ready, then there's this other little tradition that they do. So I guess my grandfather would like, sometimes he would prepare the meatballs the night before, but other times, depending on the timing of things, he would be, you know, making them Mm -hmm. or finishing them, them up that day. And then they'd be, you know, cooked and stuff, you know, with the sauce. Mm -hmm. But I guess the, all of that stuff was done like, prior so that it you know had more flavor and then the pasta was boiled later of course and so the sauce is getting ready the meatballs are getting ready Mm -hmm. and you can smell it like wafting through the Mm -hmm. air and then as the pasta is getting ready what she would do and again this is one of those like tradition things that i don't know if other people do but it was customary that the first noodle that came out she would take it into my grandfather and kind of like give it to him Mm -hmm. and he'd like slurp it Mm -hmm. and he'd say you know Good, like, like good to go. It, it mm-hmm. like had to get his blessing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the noodles already, uh, pasta yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, as a little kid, I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, the pasta's not ready until Grandpa says it's ready. <laughs> until Grandma gives Grandpa 
the mm-hmm. noodle mm-hmm. and he says, yeah, that's good. Or says, you know, no, give it five more minutes mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Like that never really happened. He never said like, he never said it needed more time. Like he yeah. never critiqued it or anything. No. It was <laughs> just like a formality, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, your, your grandma probably had been cooking yeah. pasta for like her entire life and she right. knew they were ready. <laughs> exactly. She, but like just as a little a kid, that didn't click for <laughs> me. So as a little <laughs> kid, I really, really believe that it was my grandfather saying so. That mm-hmm. it was <laughs> it was his say so that once he once he slurped that noodle, that mm-hmm. it was time, you know. <laughs> And then putting two, you know, two and two together as I got older, thinking, yeah, grandma's probably been doing this for a long time. She probably knows it's ready. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't need grandpa to tell her this. And she doesn't need a noodle to tell her nope. to tell her this. But, but that was the formality. That mm-hmm. that was the tradition. Mm-hmm. So it's like these things that we do that aren't really technically necessary. Mm-hmm. But I think it is a sign of love. It's yeah. a community. It's some kind of a communication of love mm-hmm. between these two people. That even though I know what you're doing. Or even though I know you know what I'm doing, I'm still going to, you know, ask for your opinion. I'm still going to, you know, give this to you as a sign of my love, as a mm-hmm. token of my appreciation or something. And um, sometimes what made it extra special was, you know, there were times when, especially sports. So my, the men in my family watched a lot of sports. My grandfather loved golf. He loved all the different kind of, you know, sports balls. Mm-hmm. And uh, times when there were games going on, you know, you had to be kind of careful as to like, the just the right kind of timing as to when to present the noodle to him because mm-hmm. sometimes you get like irritated like ah you know <laughs> <laughs> hurry up hurry up you know give me the noodle or something but <laughs> so there were times when it was like okay do you want to go give grandpa the noodle and so mm-hmm. sometimes like one of us children would be the delivery mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we would deliver the noodle to mm-hmm. my grandfather <laughs> and it's always like this kind of trepidatious like mm-hmm. should we go in okay let's wait till there's a commercial or you know, something <laughs> my grandfather God rest his soul. Like he later on in life, like we had a, I was very, very, very close with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. But when I was much younger growing up, like he was kind of really like mean and he was just like no filter and like he would tell you what he thought because that's just how he was. I mean, times were tough. You know, he Mm -hmm. grew up like he had a really, really hard life growing up, you know, and he also had a heart condition. So he Mm -hmm. had several, you know, heart surgeries and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we all kind of had to walk on eggshells around grandpa. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. always had to keep things quiet. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like as an adult, I look back, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, oh God, he's just so grumpy, so nasty <laughs> all the time. And, you know, we all kind of like feared him. Mm-hmm. And then looking back, I realized, oh, well, it's because, you know, he had a heart condition. And I really think that he had, um, what is it called? There's a condition that people have. Is it dysnomia? Where they can't stand people chewing. Like they, oh yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Like yeah, when yeah, people yeah. are eating together, there are yeah. certain people. There's a condition for mm-hmm. it, and it's, it escapes yeah. me right now. I, I think it starts with a D, or I might be wrong. But anyway, there's a condition where people can't eat with each other because they can't stand the mm-hmm. sound of people's yeah. lips smacking together. Yep. Well, he had whatever that was <laughs> mm-hmm. because he would not. He could not stand it if you chewed gum around him. Like that mm-hmm. would just set him off. Mm-hmm. And. So looking back, I think, well, why didn't Grandpa eat at the table with us? He ate at his chair. So A, it was probably a space constraint that mm-hmm. it just made more sense for him to be out there. Because I always kind of felt like, well, gee, like the men are kind of in the living room and mm-hmm. we're kind of out here and mm-hmm. not everybody's eating at the table together. Mm-hmm. But yet we were all together. Like mm-hmm. we were all spending time together. Just we weren't eating in the same exact yeah, place, but we were all eating together. Yeah, Everybody was having table. a meal together. 
Yeah. But space was at a premium. Mm-hmm. So there was logistics involved. Mm-hmm. I think he had that condition where he couldn't stand mm-hmm. to hear people, you know, mm-hmm. their their mouths. So so that's why also I remember my grandfather growing up where he'd always have one earbud in his ear. He always had this like pocket radio mm-hmm. and he'd be he could have had like ADD maybe. Yeah, I, I wonder maybe. because he would watch one he would be watching TV and be watching the game, following mm-hmm. the game, but he was also a fire chief for a mm-hmm. while. And so he constantly, so I, that's another thing that I associate with the smell of pasta mm-hmm. is sounds. Like, you know mm-hmm. how you connect sounds mm-hmm. with yeah. and smells? Yeah. So for me, if I could paint this picture for you, it would be the sound of a sports game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the roaring crowd mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah. So, so sports it, announcer talking about what's mm-hmm. going on right now. Yeah. Especially like golf, you know how like they can't really talk quiet uh-huh. and they start uh-huh. to whisper <laughs> and they start to talk about the game. Like, so that, so... Have you heard of ASMR? Yes, I have. <laughs> so I experience ASMR. I'm one of those like people who mm-hmm. has that wiring. Mm-hmm. Be- and I have. I think it stems from that because mm-hmm. I grew up listening to these sounds that just lulled me to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'll get to that in a second. So, so the sounds would be, you know, the sports game in the background. But then also combined with that would be a little bit of radio chatter from the police radio because mm-hmm. he would listen to the fire and police rescue. And so mm-hmm. I, con- I grew up that the sound of that constantly as white noise in the background, mm-hmm. you know, just the constant dispatchers, you know, going mm-hmm. because he listened to that all the time. Mm-hmm. So he would have one in one ear. He would be listening to something, whether it was the police dispatcher radio or another game sometimes. Sometimes he would listen to another game. Like he would listen to a baseball game in one ear and watch golf golf on the TV. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the guy was just like, you know, so I can, I can see where I get a lot Mm -hmm. of things sometimes. (laughs) It's funny how, how how stuff like that influences you, like at at a very like early stage and also like a very. It's a sensory. It's all sensory input and all these things you experience. Mm -hmm. So those are the sounds involved. And then you've got, you know, the boiling water and then you've got the people mm-hmm. you know chattering around eating eating our food and then here comes the spoon and the fork thing so i was talking to my mom so i, I told you a little bit of a story but you know for the listeners mm-hmm. so i'm i'm 45 now right and i did not know for all these years i only learned this like about a year or two ago mm-hmm. that all these years so i was always taught to eat spaghetti with just a fork mm-hmm. we never used a spoon yep. in fact like we didn't even have a spoon at the place setting like there was no need for a spoon mm-hmm. for anything that had to deal with our with our spaghetti dinner. Yeah. The only time spoons came out was when the tea came out to, you know, we'd have tea and to, mm-hmm. you know, you'd wrap the the tea bag around it mm-hmm. and use your spoon to to dunk it. <laughs> and so when I got married and moved out here and started, you know, eating meals with my husband and that was mm-hmm. a whole that's a whole other adventure. <laughs> But he would like make fun of me and he mm-hmm. would say, cause he, you know, we go to have pasta together and like, sometimes I would, I would prepare it early on in our marriage. I used to try to impress him, you know, make some homemade sauce and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would eat together and he'd, he'd eat with a spoon and a fork and he'd, you know, twirl his spaghetti into the spoon. And he would look at me and say, don't you need a spoon? You know, where's your spoon? And I would say, and this is just like the verb, you know, the, the, the phrase that we would say is real Italian's don't need a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was just like what I was taught to say growing mm-hmm. up. Like if anybody asked, <laughs> real Italians don't need a spoon. Yeah. And that's that's what people would say. And yeah. so I mean, like, but, there's this progression. Mm-hmm. Like you learn how to eat spaghetti. Like that's that's a milestone mm-hmm. as a child growing up. So yeah. 
when you're first, you know, little, like some of that, some of your first food, they cut it up, you know, mm-hmm. watch, you know, Ooh. no spoon involved, but <laughs> a, a knife and a fork, you know, cutting mm-hmm. up the spaghetti mm-hmm. and you call them skeddies. Mm-hmm. So at first it was like, you learned to say the word spaghetti, <laughs> but first it was skeddies. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you finally graduate. You can say spaghetti now. Mm-hmm. You must be like four, <laughs> you know. And then when you, you know, first learned how to twirl it, but we mm-hmm. never, ever used a spoon. Like we mm-hmm. were never taught with a spoon. We were taught to, you know, yeah. twist the the fork. And so I used to just kind of put it off, you know, my Mm -hmm. husband would kind of tease me for things. That was just kind of the, you know, lovey-dovey stuff of our, (laughs) of our marriage. You know, you just kind of, you tease each other about Mm -hmm. stuff, right? And I just accepted that as just Mm -hmm. him teasing me about stuff. (laughs) And then finally I got sick of it because then, so then we had kids Mm -hmm. and then, you know, started to teach the kids how to, how Mm -hmm. to eat and stuff. And my husband didn't really press, like, I didn't press it. Like if he wanted to teach them how to do a spoon on a fork, Mm -hmm. like I was all right, you know, whatever. (laughs) And I didn't really push the issue too much. I just figured I'm going to eat the way that I was taught. Yeah. And if you guys want to do it that way, yeah. go for Whatever it. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a personal thing of mine, mm-hmm. I guess. And so finally, the kids started asking questions like, mommy, daddy, why do you eat your spaghetti so differently? <laughs> and so finally, Smart I was kids. like, I don't know how to answer that. Like, because... I was always just taught that real Italians do mm-hmm. it this way. Mm-hmm. And my husband, for whatever reason, thought that this, you know, for whatever reason, he was told that no, the real Italians are supposed to, you know, this is how when in Rome, you know, mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Cause mm-hmm. I guess, you know, cause he's traveled the world and I mm-hmm. haven't. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed that, you know, maybe he was right. And I don't know, for whatever reason, my family did it differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you know what's, so, you know what's funny? Yeah. The, my, my dad, like my dad taught me the same thing. Like really, I mean, he has zero Italian ancestry, like nothing. Yeah. He just loved huh. Italy and loved Italian food. And like, like I remember as a kid, like I started exactly the same way. Like started at first the cut up spaghetti and uh-huh. then at some point, like only the fork, like real Italians do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so do it like the same the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when the kids asked, then I thought, okay, I got to get to the bottom of this because why is this so different? Mm-hmm. What, what is causing the difference here and how do I explain this to my kids? Mm-hmm. So finally I decided to call my mom and I said, mom, why do we only eat with a fork? Why is it? Cause I started seeing it like out West. Mm-hmm. Anytime we would go out to eat, you know, any places or, or eating with other people mm-hmm. and there was some kind of pasta served, whether it was, you know, angel hair, whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw the spoon and the fork come out. I was mm-hmm. like, what is wrong with me? I just thought, ah, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm from back East. I guess that's just, it's just an Eastern thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just started to accept that. Like, that's a whole other food journey is like when you move from one end of the country to the other, mm-hmm. there are things that are really, really different. And yeah, like, sure. you just, you don't know because you live yeah. in a bubble all this, yeah. all your life. And then you move somewhere and you're like, oh, things are done really differently here. <laughs> I'm the so weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of accepted it that mm-hmm. I was just the weirdo. Mm-hmm. So finally I decided to ask my mom about it. I was like, mom, why do we eat our spaghetti this way? And then what she told me kind of like shocked me in a way. And I actually kind of got sad for a while. Like I'm better about it now. But at first, like I kind of cried and I was like upset about it because what she told me was that when my grandfather's family came over, you know, um, they wanted so badly to assimilate and Mm -hmm. they wanted so badly to be American Mm -hmm. that my grandfather was very, very strict about assimilating and mm-hmm. about doing everything the american way mm-hmm. and so even though we were told even though the phrase was real italians don't need a, a spoon mm-hmm. for whatever reason he he told my the family that that was the american way to do it mm-hmm. and that this is how we will eat mm-hmm. and now 
it could be that my mom misunderstands the story. I don't really know because like <laughs> some things were embellished. It's hard to get the story straight. <laughs> but I think that she thinks that, and, and what she told me was that my grandfather was strict about assimilation and that he forbade them from, like, they always wanted to learn Italian and he refused to teach them Italian because he didn't want his children speaking Italian. Mm-hmm. He really kind of like rejected, mm-hmm. like he was in, in private, he was proud to be Italian. Mm-hmm. But outwardly, it was not something he was like mm-hmm. flaunt, I guess. Mm-hmm. The family would, wouldn't flaunt it. And when I watched that series and from the things that my mom has told me and I connect the dots now, I understand why. Mm-hmm. Because there really was a time, whether it was you know his childhood growing up and the way that his family, like his parents had to be in order to survive, like there was a time when Italians were really discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they I was told stories. And so like you see me, like I'm very pale complected, mm-hmm. but the rest of my family <laughs> is very dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so they, they, they're sun worshipers. Like my great aunts <laughs> and uncles are very, very dark skin. And it's mm-hmm. almost like, you know, it's kind of a joke. Like they could go out in the sun and like, they're dark. <laughs> they just, they tan so quickly. And I always thought, I mean, I grew up in the eighties. And so I actually like injured myself. I actually burnt myself trying to look like my family because tanning was like a big thing back yeah, then. Yeah. It was pretty terrible. Like yeah, I really yeah. had to learn my lesson the hard way about that. <laughs> no, I've got the Irish genes. I mm-hmm. did not get that part of the Italian genetics, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And same with my mother. Like we just burn. But yet mm-hmm. my aunts and my uncles, opposite. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like didn't even look like they were related sometimes yeah. because of the difference. But the sad thing that I was told was that my grandmother, when she was dating my grandfather, they called my grandfather the N-word. They were hmm. they were referred to as the N-word mm-hmm. back then. Okay. Um, because just because of their skin yeah. complexion and because they came over, they kind of like invaded, they were seen mm-hmm. as the enemy, they were discriminated mm-hmm. against, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't given jobs, that, that sort of thing. And so I think it was like a survival tactic that yeah, for sure. they had to survive, they had to assimilate, they had to blend in as best mm-hmm. they could so that they could survive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like upset about it, but then, you know, are there things that like didn't make sense back then, but mm-hmm. now knowing a little bit more of the history, mm-hmm. I look back and it I think, oh, okay, that makes yeah. sense now. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but like it makes more sense mm-hmm. as to why people did things a certain way. Like mm-hmm. they just either didn't know better or, you know, things were just a very, very different time mm-hmm. back there. So. Yeah. So that was interesting to learn that the reason, like the whole reason why we eat our spaghetti differently <laughs> than what you see with the spoon and the fork is because mm-hmm. they wanted to assimilate that this is the way that the Americans were doing mm-hmm. it. And so mm-hmm. they wanted to look American. Like mm-hmm. Mike, she said, my grandfather didn't want his children to like basically be caught being Italian. Like mm-hmm. the, he didn't want them to be looked at as foreigners. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they had to do it the American way. So yeah. that made me kind of sad because, and then along with that story, I found out that oh my gosh, like here, you know, like I'm not going to reveal people's identities or anything, but like the names of my family members have been changed. Mm -hmm. Like that's not growing up all my life. I knew them as like so-and-so and and -and Mm so-and-so, but that actually wasn't their name. Their Mm -hmm. name was actually changed. And I just thought, you know, okay, the last name got changed. Yeah. Anybody with that had a vowel, you know, a last name that ended in a vowel. I just always thought, oh, you know, when they came through Ellis Island, it got, Mm -hmm. you know, misspelled or Mm -hmm. Uh, you couldn't read the handwriting or or something like that. I knew that there was some of that going on. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know is that 
some of the children were orphaned or, mm-hmm. or put into like a foster care situation. And the schools actually changed their names mm-hmm. because they were too difficult to pronounce. Again, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just assimilating into that yeah. Americana. Or, or people just change them themselves simply to, like, as you said, not, to, like, fit not in. To, mm-hmm. to fit in and not be like the foreigner always, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. So that's what made me sad because people not only gave up the way that they eat food, Mm -hmm. but they gave up their original names, like Mm -hmm. their identities Mm -hmm. just just to fit in. And I just kind of feel like you shouldn't have to do that. But that's what they had to do to survive back then. And it's it's still happening, sadly, Mm -hmm. because even just as 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 close, you know, it was just a short time ago within the last, you know, decade and a half or so when I was working as a uh, computer site tech. One of my jobs to do, I worked at an elementary school and one of my mm-hmm. jobs was data entry, mm-hmm. you know, one of many jobs. I had to create the um, the accounts on the server mm-hmm. for the children to log into. Mm-hmm. And it was always difficult when it came to the Asian American children mm-hmm. because I would, you know, be typing up their name. And of course, you know, it's difficult because you're, you know, combining these letters that I've never seen combinations mm-hmm. of this before. I had to actually like tape it out yeah. and look at it like three times to make sure mm-hmm. that I spelled it correctly. Um, but you're given their, you know, their birth name to put into the file, mm-hmm. but then they all have an American name. Yep. So, yeah, very you common. know, yeah. yeah, an unpronounceable Chinese name is mm-hmm. Jessica or mm-hmm. Jennifer or John, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it just, it just like connecting that to my Italian heritage mm-hmm. where they had to change their names. It just kind of made me sad that mm-hmm. that had to take place mm-hmm. all, all in the name of, you know, being able to survive yeah. here. Yeah. yeah so that was, true. um. That was an interesting um, story that I learned about why we eat our food the way we eat our food mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the types of food that we eat and why it's cooked the way that it's cooked and and why mm-hmm. in what order and what mm-hmm. sequence and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Did, I did mean, you... and truly, the, the pasta was so that they could afford, you know, mm-hmm. to feed their families because oh, yeah. it's stretched so far. For you know? sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason like why pasta, I think, exists because it was like fairly cheap to make fairly mm-hmm. like you could combine it with almost anything like it yeah. it would work did you ever like cook with your like with your family or with your grandma or was that more like she was cooking with your grandpa and that, that was it that's a good question and that's what kind of forms my relationship with cooking food mm-hmm. um unfortunately so i didn't get to do a lot of cooking growing up mm-hmm. or, or baking necessarily um, at least not when I was like still living at home with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my family divorced when I was 12. So things got all mixed up and changed mm-hmm. after that. But up until that time, children were kind of like supposed to be just kind of shushed, you know, shushed mm-hmm. away. It was like, it mm-hmm. was up to the, the adults. We were brought in, you know, as we got older to help with the dishes and to help with mm-hmm. the cleanup. And, you know, we had mm-hmm. chores and things like that. But, but meal prep was not really, we were not mm-hmm. involved in that. Mm-hmm. And, I'm disappointed by that. Like I wished things would have been differently. I would have liked to have grown up with more experience cooking mm-hmm. because then what that did is it kind of, um, it shaped me in a way <laughs> by which I, I guess I was kind of um, enabled mm-hmm. because then as I dated, mm-hmm. I, the, the people I chose to be in relationships with, <laughs> they had to cook. <laughs> yeah. It's like one, one of the yeah. two has to be able to cook and it's not me. Right. So. <laughs> And it, you know, it's always like, oh, you can make this dish, and oh, you can make mm-hmm. that dish, and you know, I, I don't know. Part of it was either I was not allowed to be in the kitchen mm-hmm. growing up because that wasn't a child's place to be in mm-hmm. in our family, at least. Mm-hmm. And then, like, as I dated and was in relationships, it was like very kind of clear that I just 
Not that mm-hmm. I'm a bad cook, that I just you, lack the experience. Yeah, you weren't comfortable in the kitchen, probably, like because it's not, never a place that you like yeah. existed or had like spent time. Yeah, like, like anytime did, I wanted to go in the kitchen, it was mm-hmm. you know we get yelled at, like get out of mm-hmm. here, you know, mm-hmm. go go play, go do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just always kind of we were just kind of shushed and scolded mm-hmm. away. So yeah. that well, didn't give me a very good experience. <laughs> and then as I started to try to learn how to do things on mm. my own. Like, of course I, you know, I learned how to cook. I can feed myself mm. and, and I can cook for my family if I have to, mm. but if I don't have to, mm. then why bother? <laughs> so I, I would say that I am an enabled mm-hmm. person when it comes to that. So why, why I say wouldn't, I'm not necessarily a foodie. There have been times in my life where I have enjoyed cooking. I've never been much of a baker at mm-hmm. all, except for, and this is another, another foodie memory that, that I will share. Um, there was a time where I did start to get kind of creative. So, so I told you about my relationship with food when it comes to my mother's side of things. Mm-hmm. Now I want to tell you about my father's side of things, because like I said, you know, we were a family unit, but after 12, things kind of like mm-hmm. started to fall apart. And so, um, around the age, like 10 or so. So my dad, my dad was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he has, you know, certain ways of doing things <laughs> and, <laughs> There were certain, um, I wouldn't say it was like a cook or anything. My mom, you know, kind of traditional gender role household growing up. My dad, you know, worked. My mom mm-hmm. did like part-time jobs and freelance kind of like I do. And she would prepare the meals. And then when my baby brother was born, <laughs> he was born via cesarean section. So mm-hmm. my mother had to be in the hospital for like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And it was that time when we, my sister and I experienced my father's cooking using air quotes <laughs> <laughs> my dad's style of cooking is like survival kind of like <laughs> it's a little it's a little militaristic i guess yeah. i would say because you know he's used to being kind of cooked for but yet he's creative like he can come up with some things but it's like your basic like meat and potatoes mm. you know very yeah, german very, and very starchy and mm, very and militaristic things that he would make yeah, like, and so when when my mom was in the hospital, my dad had to like you know make meals mm-hmm. for us, and it consisted of like we ate a lot of like TV dinners, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of TV tray stuff. But he would make um. Have you ever had corn uh, cream beef? So I can't mm-hmm. say what it is. It's it's, it's HIT on a on a shingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, Actually, I think Doc mentioned that as well. Like because he has really? also a military, he has a military background, and like he was oh. like, oh yeah, that's like. <laughs> I'll have to listen to that. I'll have to ask him about that sometime. But that's what my dad, we ate that for like days. SOS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's SOS. And so like, I remember like he'd boil it and he was really into like the minute rice bags. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we, and like when my family divorced, so like first when my brother was born, like we survived on that kind of stuff. So he would make it and he would mm-hmm. put it like over toast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a meal for us when we yes. were little. So, yeah. you know, we, we yeah. dealt with it. And it was probably exciting. Of, I mean, did, did your yeah, mom do was. TV dinners a lot or was that like more, more you did? did? It did like after my brother came because he was colicky and they were like mm. exhausted. And, like mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just tried to like entertain him. But like mm. now as an adult with kids, mm. I get it. I yeah, so get it. I'm so exhausted. sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, but I mean, when, when your dad, like when your dad was doing it, it was like a, like a special thing kind of. Right? It was novel. It was novel. Yeah. 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 So you, yeah, were, you, were you, you were fine. You were fine. You were, it was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was like survival, yeah. but mm-hmm. it was it was fine. You know, mm-hmm. like this is how we have to do it, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be forever. But mm-hmm. it lasted for quite a while. <laughs> and then uh, when my brother came along, and he was colleague, mm-hmm. and they were exhausted, so the mm-hmm. TV dinners kind of became like a Friday thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. but we as kids, we thought it was awesome because mm-hmm. we got to eat on like our Pac-Man TV trays out yeah. in the living room, yeah. and so <laughs> they made it special. Yes. Yeah. So, so fun food. <laughs> fun food. So that was like during week. the week. And then we always had like our, our go-to Sunday spaghetti. Mm-hmm. So for me, spaghetti is comfort food. Mm-hmm. That is my, my number one comfort food that like, I feel like in an ap- apocalypse like this, I could eat spaghetti every day mm-hmm. and I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now here's where the problem comes in though. Um, after, let's see. So after I had my second son, uh, I was, you know, dealing with a lot of, you know, issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. I had been dealing with issues with my first son you mm-hmm. know, three or four years prior. And, um, I started going through lots of testing, like what is wrong with me? What mm-hmm. is causing all this pain? What is causing all this lethargy? Like i had had some procedures, like I had my deviated septum fixed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just like all of the stuff that, you know, I was going through mm-hmm. and come to find out after years and years and years of testing, I finally got a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, later on, you know, there's other exacerbations after that. But um, so let me back up just a little bit. So I probably had fibromyalgia for a long, long time before mm-hmm. then. Like if I think back, like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. You know, <laughs> I just didn't know. Yeah. One of the yeah. things like where's, like everything, like you get that, clicks, you yeah. get that diagnosis and you're like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I probably had it for a long, long time before mm-hmm. then, but. Prior to that, what I experienced was, and this is all has to do with like food and like mm-hmm. how things change and comfort food. Because um, I I listened to most of the episode where you're talking with with you and and he mm-hmm. and he shared um, what it was like when he got his diabetes diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I had a similar experience when I was pregnant with my first son. Uh, I was I had gestational diabetes, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of diabetes for people don't don't know. Basically, it goes away after after you've had the child, yeah, but it can come back and yeah. it did like it came back with subsequent, my second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And it also puts you like in a higher risk bracket later. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like pre-diabetic. Yep. So I don't have diabetes yet, but I, mm-hmm. if I don't take medication, I will end up with it. So I have mm-hmm. to be really careful. And because of the fibro and because of the you know other issues that I have with my joints and my muscles and things, mm-hmm. it's really difficult for me to lose weight. It's really easy for me to gain, gain weight mm-hmm. just because of my age, but mm-hmm. it's really difficult to keep the weight off because I can't exercise like I would like to. I mm-hmm. injure myself really easily. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I would love to work out. I love being active. It's hard for me to sit down. Like I'm actually always on the move because mm-hmm. it hurts to, like I'm distracted right now, but like it hurts to sit for a while. It hurts yeah. to sleep, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But actual exercise, cardio, aerobics, like disciplined, you know, strength mm-hmm. training. That's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's really difficult for me mm-hmm. to do. Um, so I had to control it with diet. And mm-hmm. when I was pregnant the first time, and this was before, you know, so like I was at a, I wouldn't, I wasn't like obese. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. at an unhealthy, you know, I was, I was overweight, but like I wasn't mm-hmm. <laughs> like I am now, but back then, you know, it's manageable. And so when I got pregnant, I was very active. I was, you know, working in an elementary school where I walked all the time mm-hmm. and um, I went and did, there's this part in your pregnancy where I guess it's like towards the like middle to the end they have you drink this like really sugary drink it's a glucose oh, yeah. test yeah it's a glucose and test. and yeah. i failed it i failed mm-hmm. it with flying colors mm-hmm. and i was like oh man that's such a bummer mm-hmm. like you really just hoped you didn't have that mm-hmm. and so they told me like i had to be really good or else i was gonna have to like get injections and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff 
So I did. I was very, very good. And I remember when when Ewan was talking about it and he was yeah. talking about like how much fat he had to consume. Yeah. That was my like, oh my God, I can't believe how much fat. Like I went to see a dietitian mm-hmm. too. You know, that was like, you're prescribed, you know, you gotta go mm-hmm. see a dietitian. I had to prick my finger like four mm-hmm. times a day and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and track my blood. And it was like, wow, it was a lot of work and it was really hard because yeah. when you're pregnant and you're told like all your life, like the model that's set for you is that you eat for two yeah, <laughs> and that you're supposed to eat whatever you want. And yeah. you're, you know, <laughs> people like offer you food. Like when you're mm. pregnant, when people know you're <laughs> pregnant, they just shove food at yeah. you all the time. And I mean, the, <sighs> the Italian background as well. I mean, one, uh, it's a lot of like a lot of like uh, a lot of carbs, 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 carbs. everywhere, basically, mm-hmm. like whether it's bread, whether it's pasta, pasta, like it's just everywhere. So and also, bread, so also pasta. the culture of like, of eating like i mean mm-hmm. like the the, the, the like it's basically like the grandma is shoving food in i mean i know from from friends of yeah, mine manja, like, manja, manja. yeah exactly and and, 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 and yeah, it's and not it's not a, it's a yeah. stereotype but it's true like i mean i've experienced it, it in so italy, italy like with my friends like it is true so yeah you you're um in fact like i yeah. even though i know it's like it is a true stereotype like mm-hmm. it's still a ter- stereotype but even I like do it because mm-hmm. I'm kind of programmed that mm-hmm. way. If you come to my house and I want to, <laughs> I just want to feed you. Like, yeah. That's our, our love yeah. language. I just want to feed you, Absolutely. whether it's crackers or something. And like, if you don't eat it, I'm kind of offended. Mm-hmm. No, I do that too. <laughs> but that's like, just how I was raised. You know, like yeah. you've got to eat. Yeah. Or the other thing is like the weight. Mm-hmm. So Italians are pretty round, you know, like mm-hmm. we're, yep. we're fat and yep. happy, yep. you know. <laughs> We all have like these big, huge arms. You're like back in mm. back in Pennsylvania, like you can just tell, like that's the whole like <laughs> Italian German sector there. <laughs> it's like you can tell by looking at our arms. You can just tell okay. we're just big. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> can't push us over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> or, but I mean that, that makes it difficult. If you're skinny, like, yeah. you cannot be a skinny Italian. No. That's like against the law. <laughs> so something so is something to, is wrong. And with if you, you date a skinny man <laughs> or you date a skinny woman, like mm-hmm. there's something wrong with them, mm-hmm. and they need to be fattened mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the culture too. So yes, like so much food. And Mm -hmm. so now luckily for me, because things could have gone really, really poorly Mm -hmm. had this happened when I was still living in Pennsylvania. But Mm -hmm. luckily for me, I was living out West. Mm -hmm. So I could control things just a little bit better. And so here I am pregnant with my first child. And I come from this background where the women just like gain, you know, I mean, and we're all short too, by Mm -hmm. the way. So Mm -hmm. when women are pregnant and they're Italian, they're kind of like as round as they are tall. (laughs) So, so I grew up with this notion that you must be round, that you mm-hmm. must have this big round beach ball of a pregnant baby bump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I watched like my mother was I was 10 when my brother was born. I was 15 when my second brother was born. So like I've seen my mother pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. and I've seen my aunts pregnant. And I've seen my cousins pregnant. Like I have a lot of cousins. I've seen a lot of pregnant women in that in my family on both sides. And they were all very, very round and they all gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, come from a breastfeeding con- culture. So we breastfed and mm-hmm. that was like the best diet in the world. <laughs> you will lose weight and then some. And I mm-hmm. did. Um, <laughs> but so my first pregnancy, I didn't gain a lot of weight. Like mm-hmm. I was proud of that. I mm-hmm. was really kind of proud of that. But I also, it was a little, um, a little depressing in a way because I couldn't enjoy it. Yeah. I couldn't enjoy the food. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. enjoy like when you're pregnant, you get so excited. You're like, oh my God, I get to eat like a Snickers <laughs> and anything. like two. I can eat anything I yeah. want. And yeah. people will just give you food. Mm-hmm. But now like I had to like turn it down. Mm-hmm. And I had to like, you know, tell people no. And that was mm-hmm. really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't eat the things I wanted to eat. And here I am on this really super restrictive diet. But mm-hmm. yet, 
it was restrictive, but yet it was different because I couldn't believe, and again, coming from the culture of that fat is so bad for you, mm-hmm. fat is bad. Yeah. Fat is bad. And and when you're diabetic, sugar is bad, <laughs> <It's even laughs> depending <worse. laughs> on, on your levels. So like I, there, like Splenda was in everything. Of course, now mm-hmm. we know that that's not good for mm-hmm. you either. But back <laughs> then, like, you know, that was like, okay, let's look for all the Splenda labels. Mm-hmm. So I had to look for all the Splenda labels. I had to watch my sugar. I had to watch everything I ate. Mm-hmm. And I had to consume so much fat. And I just mm-hmm. felt weird about it. Like mm-hmm. it did not feel right. But, you know, looking at the scale, looking at the numbers, that was the confirmation mm-hmm. that it was the it right works. thing to do. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you prick your finger, you you check your blood. It mm-hmm. tells you that, yes, you've, you know, like if I had a piece of bread or mm-hmm. if I had some cereal, yeah, my numbers were bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could feel it. Like I could mm-hmm. feel it too. Like I yep. felt, you know, diabetic. It was, it was really rough. Mm-hmm. So here I was like, I only gained like 20 some pounds. Mm-hmm. It was like, That's I think not much. it was like 20, 22, 26 pounds or mm-hmm. something like that, which I mean, that's, that's like a quarter mm-hmm. of what the other women in my family gained. <laughs> and my sister was pregnant at the time. And back then we had like iChat, you know, we mm-hmm. would FaceTime. Ooh, yeah. It was iChat <laughs> back then. And every couple of weeks, like we would get together and we would stand up <laughs> and we would compare bellies. And I just remember thinking like this mixed emotions of like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish I could have a big belly like that. Like I had <laughs> belly and I had bump envy. I <laughs> seriously had bump envy. Funny. It is. It's funny and it's like confusing it's and it's like sad, sad all yeah. at once. <laughs> because like you're you're supposed to like the bump is like so celebrated. And here mm-hmm. I was like I I'd, I'd stand up and I would just have this kind of like flat like mm-hmm. I just looked fat. <laughs> I didn't look pregnant. I looked fat and it just upset me so much. Mm-hmm. I still had a waistline. <laughs> Throughout my whole pregnancy, I had a waistline. Like, that's mm. not supposed to happen. That just doesn't look right. Like, even my coworkers were like, are you okay? Are you like, really you're not? <laughs> I mean, because it was my first child and like, mm. you don't show a lot the first time anyway. Mm. And so that I had that going for me. But, and plus, I was walking everywhere. I wish I had mm. a Fitbit back then. Man, mm-hmm. I would have had a lot of stuff. <laughs> so the diet, the diet thing was like, that was mm. really, really rough. Mm-hmm. That was really, really rough trying to, to be pregnant and like mm. deal with all that stuff. And then interestingly, um, so then, after, you know, when I had the baby and then I was breastfeeding, then that's when I could eat anything. <laughs> that's when I felt like that was like the best diet in the world. And here's the funny thing. Like, that's when people offer you lots of beer. <laughs> there's, okay. this, there's this, have you heard this? There's no? this belief that, yeah, there's this belief that if you drink beer while you're breastfeeding, it's supposed to like make your milk better, fuller, <laughs> come in better or something like that. Yeah, Must so, be a Bavarian so funny. thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, it, I I'm telling you, it was like, that was not the Italian thing. That must have been like the German thing, but it was like a like wives' Bavari- sales. That must, must be a Bavarian yeah. thing. Like, uh, get, like, get some it's beer to the kid, It's an excuse basically. to drink beer. Exactly. <laughs> it's an excuse to drink beer. <laughs> the kid needs some beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're really, 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 really thirsty when you're mm-hmm. breastfeeding anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. you're constantly wanting to drink stuff. And so, people will like, here's a beer. You know, like, this is probably Never not good, that. but okay. <laughs> you're not mm-hmm. going to turn it down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was interesting. So um, yeah, so I, I had another story that I was going to tell you well, about. I, 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 I wanted to thought, ask. So. I wanted to ask you about in. comfort, comfort food, and the quarantine. Like you mentioned that, like in the pre-show, oh. um, and yes. you mentioned it in passing a little bit. But but I think that's that's really fascinating. Like how like yeah. how people crave comfort food right now, and also I think how the quarantine is to some extent influencing us there. Well, that's what that's what I was going to talk about. So let me just back up a little bit. Um, was that's why I brought up the pregnancy and mm-hmm. I brought up the whole Italian heritage because being pregnant while 
being raised Italian was difficult and mm-hmm. having diabetes was mm-hmm. really difficult. And then after I got my fibromyalgia diagnosis and I was struggling with inflammation issues, I had to change my diet drastically. So mm-hmm. the diabetes diet was one thing where I had to consume all the fat and lower the carbs. And But I learned from that that that's what helped with controlling inflammation. Mm-hmm. So getting the carbs down and then cutting out things like gluten and cutting out things like milk mm-hmm. and dairy products. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about that. Um, so I actually, and it's fine. Like you guys talk about bacon and, <laughs> and meats and everything. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not offended or anything, but I have developed a personal feeling about it since I breastfed my children. Mm-hmm. There's just something about feeding your own babies that way that you look at other mammals mm-hmm. that feed they're they're young that way. Mm-hmm. Like you look at cats and you look at pigs and you look at, mm. you know, dogs and you can't look at them the same ever again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, and then when it comes to cows, like mm-hmm. you watch cows being milked and like, I had to express my milk mm-hmm. for a while because mm-hmm. I had problems and I went to back to work. It's like, I know what it's like to be milked and <laughs> I don't like, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't stand mm-hmm. the fact that cows are being exploited for it. So mm-hmm. uh, I cut out, dairy for dietary reasons, but also for conscientious reasons. Mm -hmm. And I decided, and I don't necessarily impose it on my family, but it's my own personal choice that I've decided that I don't want to consume meat that comes from an animal that nurses or gives birth to live young. Mm -hmm. So I've basically reduced it to fish and chicken Mm -hmm. and poultry, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So occasionally I'll eat beef, but it's Mm -hmm. not something that I eat on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So that's what's um so so the pregnancy, the diabetes, the the fibro, the inflammation, like all of those different health changes mm-hmm. is what has changed my diet. And then it's also impacted my my comfort food. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing that I had to find a substitution for for comfort food was pasta. Yeah. That obviously. was like I could not live <laughs> without pasta. Mm-hmm. So we switched to quinoa. Mm-hmm. And everything's good. We tried rice. We tried a couple of other different types of formulations, mm-hmm. but the one that seems to work the best is quinoa. So that's been interesting in my relationship with my husband. Is like he's still like trying to catch <laughs> on, but he's he's doing a great job. Like yeah. it's but I mean, it's challenging because he's the foodie and he loves yeah. recipes. Yeah, and I mean he but also has have... that German background a little bit, which is, like makes it very difficult. <laughs> so he's he's actually Scottish Welsh, but he lived mm-hmm. in Germany oh, for a okay. number of years. Something but bad. he I loves. German somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he speaks German. He's yeah. lived in Germany. He loves German food. Like he mm-hmm. loves, mm-hmm. but he loves all different kinds of cultures. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like he's the creative one. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's so good with timing. He's the one that can apply heat to things and not set off the smoke alarm like <laughs> I do. Like when I cook, the smoke alarm comes down. Because you know? uh, <laughs> I burn things. I, I, but he's I so could good totally at all that, about that stuff. But I'm going to skip that for now. <laughs> <laughs> So he's the one that's creative. Mm. And so I kind of had to task him with like, okay, look, I know that you, we can't have these dishes anymore. We can't have this recipe anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gained so much weight after my second child because my husband's love language is food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just very loved because you know? <laughs> he enjoys, he just loves making food. He mm-hmm. loves feeding people. Like you'd think he was the Italian. <laughs> so it's been difficult for him to try mm-hmm. to adjust you know, mm-hmm. that level of comfort food. Mm-hmm. So I've had to find substitutions and then he's kind of filling in with being creative and trying to find substitutions too, like, you know, trying to bake things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and baking. That was the other thing I wanted to tell you. So I started to tell you a little bit about my dad and my relationship with my dad and food and how, you know, he's kind of mm-hmm. militaristic and mm-hmm. kind of survival stuff. And he's yeah. lots and lots of potatoes. And, yeah. You know, every, he puts potatoes in everything, yeah. which I love potatoes. So <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Um, but there was a time when I did start to stretch my legs a little bit and I tried baking. Mm-hmm. And back east, um, we have apple dumplings mm-hmm. and apple crisp. Like mm-hmm. those are two common mm-hmm. dishes. Yep. And did you ever have this happen where like in your family, there's a common dish and one side of the family makes it and the other side of the family makes it, but they kind of make it differently, yep. but it's still just really, really good. Yep. Well, <laughs> apple crisp is that thing. Mm-hmm. So my Nana has her recipe mm-hmm. and my grandmom has her mm-hmm. recipe. So the different maternal and paternal grandmothers, mm-hmm. but they're both equally good. Like I could not yeah. tell you one is better yeah. than the other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I have that with uh, potato salad. Like my, my, yeah. both my grand, both my grandmas used to make potato salad completely yeah. different. Like, I mean, yeah. there were potatoes involved, but like, Right, that's, that's basically common that's thing. Like apples is the common thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. basically it. And yeah, mm-hmm. ex- and exactly. And I couldn't choose between them. They were both good. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Totally. I wonder how many dishes there are. That would be an interesting <laughs> survey to conduct. Mm-hmm. How many dishes are there in families? Like that could be a question that you could mm-hmm. ask people. Like, what is one food that both of your grandmothers or grandfathers on either side mm-hmm. made that you can't de- that you can't decide between the two that mm-hmm. they're both equally as good? So when it comes to that, it's apple crisp and. If you're familiar with what apple crisp is, mm-hmm. you know, and I am. there's either the crusty kind or it's kind of soft and mushy. Mm-hmm. Well, my Nana made it a certain way. And my dad and I, so after my parents divorced and I, I lived with my dad for quite a while and my dad and I would kind of like, we would cook for each other. We were kind of like surviving, you know, trying to, trying to make ends meet. And we lived in this like tiny little studio apartment for a little while. And so we ate a lot of like canned goods and things like that. But then mm-hmm. once we moved into a, a home together, we started to get a little bit more sophisticated and we could afford you know, a little bit more, you know, better foods and things. And so we started baking together mm-hmm. and we decided to have a bake off. <laughs> okay. It just kind of happened one time. And so this is one like memory I have with food and with me actually baking the food mm-hmm. with my dad is that, see, like I told you, when you asked me, you know, kind of exposure I had when I was mm-hmm. a child and I was always shushed out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. When it came to my dad, like my dad gave me all the freedom. You know, once I was able to, I was a teenager, once I was able to live with my dad, then like I had to cook for myself. So I had to learn how mm-hmm. to do it. And it was a matter of like, you know, learning, you know, baptism by fire, learning mm-hmm. by failure, mm-hmm. how to how to make things. And my eldest son is going through that right now. And it's really kind of fun <laughs> to watch. Like he's baking things like the other day, mm-hmm. he made brownies or something. He's doubled the amount of water. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> like it's going to be fine. It's brownies. We'll eat it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And so anyways, so my dad and I decided to have this bake-off, like he mm-hmm. had made it. And then I wanted to learn how to make apple crisp. Mm-hmm. So I asked my Nana for her recipe. I asked my grandmother, but my Nana was like a little bit more f- forthcoming about it. Because like I said, the mother's side of the family kind of shush, you know, get out of mm-hmm. the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Whereas my Nana was like, okay, you know, here it is on an index card or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I got the recipe and my dad had been making it. And so I made it one time for him and like he had made some and I said, I'm going to make this. I was like, all right, go ahead. And I made it and it turned out great. And he ate it. And as he was eating it, my dad is like probably the one person that can simultaneously <laughs> insult me and compliment me at the same time. <laughs> you know what he said to me? He said, this is really good. You had Nana go, you you went down and, and got this from Nana. You had her make it and then you brought it here. And it's like, no, dad, I made it myself. I baked it myself, you know, because I had like cleaned up the dishes. Mm-hmm. I guess I got rid of the evidence that I shouldn't have. <laughs> 
But he thought that I actually had my Nana make it for me. Like he thought I was lying about it. Like, how how are you supposed to feel about that? Like I'm insulted and also complimented at the same time that he thinks it's that good. That's so funny. (laughs) So that's one of my, Mm. my baking memories. And, you know, it's like, it's like that one acid trip that I had, like it was really good. So I don't want to repeat it. So I'm just not going to bake anymore. That's kind of how I look at it. Okay. That's my, my experience with baking, mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so baking food, I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I had to, um, so there's that that kind of comfort food. So I can't have that kind of comfort food mm-hmm. anymore because, of course, it's full of gluten. So mm-hmm. um, I've had to learn other ways to get around that. Mm-hmm. One time I was on a Weight Watchers diet with a company that I worked at, and because I couldn't have apple crisp anymore, mm-hmm. I had to find some kind of way to cheat. So here's my... Oh, this is one recipe that I would give you. It's totally silly and it's totally awful. But <laughs> this is like cheating. Like you can't have a lot mm-hmm. of carbs. You can't. This is the Weight Watchers version of Apple Crisp. Basically, what I would do is I would get a bowl and I would put some applesauce in it. And then I would get some graham crackers because mm-hmm. like you couldn't count the points on those. Mm-hmm. And I would put a layer of graham cracker, then applesauce, a little bit of cinnamon then a layer of graham cracker, then applesauce, a little bit of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of like stick that in the fridge. And it was like no bake, apple mm-hmm. crisp, like cheating version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like poor man's apple crisp or something oh, like that. <laughs> it's simple enough. And, and it, yeah. it, it was enough of the cinnamon and the apple mm-hmm. and the graham cracker that just like that combination, <laughs> like it kind of sort of mm-hmm. resembled it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my comfort food when I was on, di- when I was mm-hmm. on that diet. Sounds a little bit like a like a like an apple the combination between like an apple crisp and like a tiramisu kind of. Oh yeah, I guess you could yeah (laughs) when it got soggy enough yeah yeah exactly Uh it's like like like, um, so now on to quarantine comfort mm -hmm. food (laughs) so that could be that Mm -hmm. that could be if you have that left Mm -hmm. in your in your cupboard you could make quarantine apple crisp I think (laughs) yeah I think that's what we could call it yep so the comment that I or the the point that I brought up earlier when we were talking pre-show was the fact that these are my memories that I just shared of you as I was a kid growing up and, you know, what we did to get through hard times like divorce, you know, and Mm -hmm. things like that. And now, you know, we're dealing with quarantine. And like I was telling you earlier, shopping, grocery shopping is Mm -hmm. really, really difficult for a lot of people right now because they either can't get out to the store or, you know, mm-hmm. like we're high risk, you know, I'm high risk mm-hmm. in my family and my husband, like he loves to shop. Like that mm-hmm. is his like meditation zone. Mm-hmm. He loves to shop and he, he does all the grocery shopping. Like mm-hmm. he's the one that does it. So when in times past, when I've had to do the grocery shopping, it's like, oh my God, I have to sit there texting him the whole time. <laughs> like, is, like it is it this brand? Is it this one? <laughs> I was at the grocery store, like, you know, like two months ago and I was mm-hmm. getting things and some lady saw me taking pictures and she mm-hmm. goes, Oh, you do that too. Now I don't feel so bad. I'm like, yeah, my husband's a cook. She goes, too. me too. I do that too. <laughs> oh, that's how we grocery shop. Or at least that's mm-hmm. how we used to grocery shop. Mm-hmm. Now we have to sit there and like fill a digital cart and mm-hmm. like queue it up and, and wait mm-hmm. and like try to like get the, the <laughs> process to go through. Well, one I'm advantage like, is you don't have to text them anymore. It's just like, it's just a exactly. website. <laughs> You know what, though? You know what, though? I was thinking that, but ex- except you would think that that would be better, except no, we had to sit on the couch next to each other and like kind of argue over like what we needed <laughs> and what quantities we needed. So no, it was actually worse because then we had to sit next to each other. We couldn't get the hell away from each other. <laughs> there was, oh, And we true. still yeah. had our damn phones in our hands because mm-hmm. we have like the the shopping cart 
on the website or mm-hmm. the app, which mm-hmm. was failing. And then we have like our, we use grocery gadget mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. for shopping. Mm-hmm. So we had that. So I was like, okay, if I've, if I've got it in the cart, you check it off on the list. So like we were like dueling phones here. So mm-hmm. I mean, it took like hours. Mm-hmm. It was exhausting yeah. just to put yeah, the food true. together. <laughs> I mean, you would think it's so simple, such a yeah. simple thing, it, but it's it, not. No, it's not because in the store you just walk around and you see stuff and you're like oh we need this we need that but like at home you have yeah. to think about it like you can't just you have to think about it and and now with yeah. the quarantine so now you have to like plan far in advance mm-hmm. because you want to try to minimize the times that you have to leave the house mm-hmm. i mean luckily we have curbside pickup here which i'm mm-hmm. really grateful for but sometimes you know you still got to get out of the house you're still there's still that chance of mm-hmm. exposure mm-hmm. and so we try to minimize that so you're like okay well we were going to get one box but we really should get two like we're mm-hmm. not necessarily panic buying because i think mm-hmm. that that's different yeah but we are definitely you know family planning kind mm-hmm. of buy you know mm-hmm. for what we're going to need and then like, yeah. we have two boys like we have a teenager <laughs> who's bigger than me you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like we have we we had we had to start using the second fridge you know? <laughs> it's like uh yeah. i mean yeah. we're not going to starve but like it's really kind of stressful because yeah. like you look at the the shelves like they're getting bare <laughs> yeah and we're starting to eye up the things in the cupboard that we don't normally eat mm-hmm. but like they're there and mm-hmm. <laughs> oh do i really want to have to eat soup for the next mm-hmm. week and so it goes back to those memories that i started out with where you know hearing those stories from my grandmother about making pretzel soup mm-hmm. about italians like scraping the plaster off the wall to mm-hmm. make the flour long. like i'm starting to you know, as we're in quarantine, I'm starting to look at our food supply and I'm mm-hmm. starting to have to think creative. Like what can, you know, I was going to throw out <laughs> some ends of the bread mm-hmm. last week. And I was like, no, no. we could, you could use these for breadcrumbs. Yeah. You know, like I'm starting, it's starting to like mm-hmm. kick in mm-hmm. all those stories that my elders told mm-hmm. us about the ways that they, they made scraps. And like, yeah. my dad will tell me stories about things he's put together. Like mm-hmm. he'll just, he's one of those guys that like, when I go to visit, I have to like, purge the fridge of things that were in Mm. there for like that expired seven years ago (laughs) you know but see that's what they do they don't throw anything out and and now it's like really becoming clear Mm. why that is like Mm -hmm. i used to look at the expiration date and think all right we'll stretch a little bit all right now it's like "Mm, it still smells okay it looks good it smells good it's fine yeah Yeah. you really starting to think about that kind of stuff and so yeah yeah it's also very interesting. I mean, I I come from like a different perspective because I come more from like a, I want to almost say like a restaurant side where you don't okay. throw stuff away either because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that is money that you're throwing away. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are doing that like now as well, where it's like, okay, I mean, as you said, like the, it's it, it, in your case, it might be, well, you don't want to go out shopping, but it's also probably a little mm-hmm. bit, okay, I don't want to spend the money. And if I can right. do, yeah. if I can cook something with the, with the leftover, mm-hmm. like with, with the ends from, from the bread or with whatever, whatever leftover, like stuff you cut off, vegetables that you, stuff you cut off, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. there you can actually make something out of it. And as I said, yeah, like, like I'm going to eat that, that whole apple, that whole yeah. strawberry. I'm yeah. not going to throw, I yeah. may throw a leaf away. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like in a restaurant, yeah. in a restaurant, like, I mean, like the vegetable, like the, the ends of vegetables or whatever, and the peels mm-hmm. or whatever as long as it's edible somehow mm-hmm. and they can make yeah. something out of it they're going to do that like i mean a lot a lot yeah. goes into like the vegetable stock or the, the whatever stock they make um that's a lot like where they where they reuse a lot of like stuff that other people would throw away and like mm-hmm. extract as much money and food and like dishes out of that as they can mm-hmm. because it's yeah in this case literally their business and their money that they're throwing away 
Um, it's going to be a it. shift. Yeah. It's going to be a shift for a lot of people. Well, mm-hmm. see, and you were like born in America where in America, like we waste so mm-hmm. much. I mean, everybody's guilty of it here. And it's really, really sad. I mean, mm-hmm. we were taught to like, we were, it's interesting. There was, a, there was a shift. We were taught like, don't waste any food. You know, like, mm-hmm. we're growing up, like there's children that are starving and mm-hmm. so you yeah. can give them. But it was more about eating the yeah. food, not mm-hmm. about throwing it away later. Yeah, there. I think there was a like there was a shift where we were always taught like finish your plate, mm-hmm. eat all your food, exactly. and then like don't let any food go to waste. And so mm-hmm. then if kids did leave their food on their plate, then the parents would eat it. And so mm-hmm. I think as a result, for whatever reason, combined with that, we all became very obese mm-hmm. because we did not control portions. I think that's yeah. that's what I learned the hard way through my dietary mm-hmm. changes and yeah, things. Me too. And what I'm trying to teach the kids is portion control. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've always done it, but now more so mm-hmm. than ever, it is so important for yeah. portion control. And I think it just got way out of control. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just advertising greed or whatever, mm-hmm. but the portion controls were so large that people are just like, you know, like the Italians, like manja manja, <laughs> yeah. just pile, you know, pile mm-hmm. it on your plate and mm-hmm. you'd see people eat such large portions of food mm-hmm. and then you just kind of carried that forward. And then mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, don't waste any of that mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Never mind that I, the adult, piled it onto your plate and now I'm going to make you eat it. Mm-hmm. And, and as a result, I'm going to make you feel guilty for not eating yeah, it. Exactly. And so then we developed all these complexes. And mm-hmm. so we would just eat and eat and eat and eat. Mm-hmm. And then everybody just became so obese. Mm-hmm. And then we, and then there was this shift. That's what I meant to to mention is that then there was this shift that said, you know what? Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Stop but eating everything on your plate. Yeah. If you're if you're full, you're full. Be done yeah. and like back away from the table. Yeah. But they didn't say what they didn't emphasize with the portion control. Mm-hmm. Don't put so much food on your plate to begin with. Mm-hmm. But see, Americans like they skip yeah. over that stuff. They just <laughs> exactly. pile it on and pile mm-hmm. it on. So mm-hmm. the portion control the portion sizes are still out of control, Mm -hmm. but people are stepping away so that they don't eat so much Mm -hmm. when they really should have just fixed the portion size to Mm -hmm. begin with. And so that, so now we just have so much waste. And as Mm -hmm. a result of these out of control portion sizes, we have so many food producing places like Mm -hmm. food producing plants and Mm -hmm. and all this agriculture. Mm -hmm. It's just out of control. Like Mm -hmm. we have way more food than we actually need. But yet yeah. now people are going to go hungry and you can't buy things that, mm. you know, are normally your staples and your comfort food mm-hmm. because the supply chain has been disrupted. Yeah, it's so either the supply all... chain or also people simply, I mean, they're also like, it's their comfort food. So they're buying it, like whether they need mm-hmm. it or not, or whether it's like really necessary. Whether they need it or not. Yeah, yep, they're because buying it. it's programming. Yeah. We, we have to have these things because mm-hmm. these are our comfort food. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said to you, it's going to be very interesting to see mm-hmm. how this shakes out mm-hmm. because like. People like us, like we're frugal, you know, we we will survive, like we will deal because both my husband and I, especially mm-hmm. like, like I said, I've been raised through adversity, through divorce, mm-hmm. through having to survive, you know, having the stories passed down from my mm-hmm. ancestors of mm-hmm. how to survive famines and discrimination and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And so I'm not going to say like I have the skills necessary, but I have a little bit of background mm-hmm. that maybe like say my kids or maybe yeah. people in their 20s and 30s might not have. Yeah, I mean, you also have the, the cooking skills and also the adaption skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned like right. you had to adapt to also like health issues that came up over time mm-hmm. or like choices sometimes you also made that like that, that shows adaptability. 
and mm-hmm. fosters a bit adaptability and that is like in a like in a situation right now and i i think if anybody listens to this in like whatever five years they're going to think oh, it's mm. crazy but right now yeah. we're in the middle of this and like I, we're I, in the middle of this yeah and I, you I think can it's start to see you can start to see how we ended up in some of the situations like for mm-hmm. example with all the carbs and all mm-hmm. the cereals mm-hmm. so <laughs> much cereal so much milk yeah. so many carbs <laughs> that we are now trying to cut out mm-hmm. Now we're looking at supply chain issues and we're looking at how are we going to make our food stretch? And mm-hmm. I wonder if if we're going to end up being forced to like revert back to all these carbs just because mm-hmm. it's cheap, just because, mm-hmm. you know, this cheap might be, this is what's cheap and available. Mm-hmm. And this is what we have to make mm-hmm. to feed the family so that we can survive mm-hmm. and our blood sugars are going to go, yeah. <laughs> you know, wacko. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be difficult. Like I'm starting to look at like, well, you know, we have land and um, we have soil. We can start like growing things mm-hmm. and yeah, we're going to have to probably eat bugs. Yeah. I mean, you're starting to think about, yeah, starting to think about these survival skills mm-hmm. and, you know, things that you're going to have to start mm-hmm. doing. And so mm-hmm. that's why I wonder how is this going to affect our kids? Mm-hmm. Like, how is it going to form them? How is it going to shape their attitudes when it comes to food? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how long it will last. I mean, it might last a couple more months. It might last a year, you know, until mm-hmm. we years. really we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't know. I mean, yeah. the, the virus is what's going to decide mm-hmm. the, the science is what's going to decide, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. how we get back to where we were. And I don't yeah. even know that we necessarily really want to go back to I, I, a I, lot of things. Yeah. I, I think I, I agree with you in that. Like, I think, it, and, and it's not just about that. We don't want to go back. I don't think we can in a lot of situations. Yeah. Like it changes. Yeah. It does change you and it does change like society mm-hmm. and we're going to see and it's going to be interesting this, to see how yeah. the kids come out mm-hmm. and what kinds of foods are they going to you know are they gonna are we going to revert back to carbs and pasta mm-hmm. because it's affordable are they going to grow up with diabetes or you know what is going to happen mm-hmm. what kind of comfort foods are the kids yeah. whether they're healthy or not <laughs> but what kind of comfort foods like i said you know i grew mm-hmm. up with a lot of pasta because mm-hmm. it was cheap and available mm-hmm. and it's what comfort's me it's mm-hmm. what comforts me mm-hmm. when I'm sad and when, you know, when in my time of need, mm-hmm. that's always been there. Yeah. It's always something that I can get to, even though I have to replace it with quinoa, mm-hmm. you know, it's, luckily it's still available, but yeah. that's going to be, that might be a, a mm-hmm. trade-off. I might not be able, like just mm-hmm. the other night, I was really frustrated. I actually had to get like chickpea mm-hmm. version because I really, I could not find the quinoa stuff mm-hmm. that I'm used to finding. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when that's going to be available. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, well, what is impacting the gluten-free manufacturing process, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see yeah. what the kids develop. So I have been conscientious about the food that we have been picking that has been available mm-hmm. and, you know, it has been baked goods because like, you know, my kids are wanting to make food. Like they're wanting mm-hmm. to pitch in, they're wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, help out because, and partly because they might be bored and that sort of thing. And we do want to encourage it. We want to mm-hmm. foster them. Mm-hmm. I want to do things a little bit differently than was done for me. I don't want to shush them out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is really good about that. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, my my son baked brown, you know, a gluten-free brownie mm-hmm. mix the other day. He screwed up the liquid portion mm-hmm. of it, but it was fine. Mm-hmm. We still ate it, you know. <laughs> but this is their opportunity to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, this is their opportunity yeah. to make things. Now, mm-hmm. when they fail... We still have to eat it. <laughs> we can't waste it. You know? So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, it's important to fail. Like, I mean, that's how you mm -hmm. learn. Like, I mean, it wasn't yeah. like doubling the liquid. Like, eh, it's not a big deal. Like, I yeah. mean, you can. He was really upset about it, and and I reminded him. I was like, "It's gonna be okay. Yeah. It's gonna be fine." That's, I was like, "We live time. in Arizona. It'll evaporate." Yeah, that's oh, that's true. Yeah, no, but is that probably like, next probably time? needed to lose use a little bit more water anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, as you said. It's also going to be interesting to see. Like, what are the comfort foods? What are also the foods that they maybe can't see and can't stand anymore? It's like, because mm. they either yes, have, yes. like, negative memories because of the quarantine, or it's just like, well, yeah. we, we had to eat that, whatever, three times a week. Like, and it's like... College, oh, I survived on ramen, mm -hmm. and I seriously have, like, a PTSD response mm -hmm. when someone even mentions ramen. Like, mm -hmm. I know that there is really good ramen out there mm -hmm. that, that people make, but when I hear ramen, I mm -hmm. just think... Oh my god, I was so mm. sick in college, and like that's what I yeah. lived on, and I would have died without it. Yeah. You know, I never want to eat it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that. Funny enough, I have that with spaghetti and tomato sauce. Oh, Because is it really? Was, Here, all this time I've been talking yeah, about spaghetti. No. And, you've been and I love. Uh, I mean, let, don't get me wrong. I like. I love spaghetti. I like Italian yeah. like dishes in general. But uh -huh. my dad used to make every like as you said. Like for you, it was every Sunday. For me, it was every uh -huh. Saturday. Every Saturday. Okay. For years and years and years, we made spaghetti and tomato sauce. And there was mm -hmm. one weekend where I had it five days in a row because like something uh, was going on, some like some event yeah. was going on and then I had it there. And it was easy all. to reheat. Yeah, it was easy to reheat. So we did like, and I was like, okay, yeah. that was enough. And since yeah. then, like I'm staying away from it. I, I, I yeah. have made pasta. I'm not eating pasta right now because like yeah. I'm trying to stay away from, from the sugars. <laughs> But mm, that's hard. It, it's still like, uh, yeah, I, I like that dish triggers as you said ptsd for me I'm like yeah no i can't eat mm -hmm. that <laughs> yeah see so for yeah. me what's my comfort food is not your comfort food no. <laughs> it's the opposite. and you know i only yeah. i only ate it that you know once a week mm. but it's that it's what happened during that once mm -hmm. a week it's the smells and the sounds mm. you know and so mm. whenever those things are paired together mm -hmm. so if ever like i'm not My husband isn't a sports guy, so we mm. don't have sports on. But mm. when I do hear sports, mm. and if I've been somewhere, and especially if I smell tomato sauce, mm -hmm. like the combination of tomato sauce and sports, like mm -hmm. I feel it's instantly like, tired. You're, you're right it's just it's ASMR for me. Like oh, I'm just all right. I need a nap. I didn't even eat anything, but I need a nap because I just smelled it and I heard it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because when I was little, like that was my favorite thing to do was after you eat that big plate of spaghetti, you go into like food coma zone, mm -hmm. which is you know mm -hmm. probably. Yep. diabetic response well, and yep. <laughs> i would climb up into my dad's lap and i would mm -hmm. like take a nap and mm -hmm. so i just have such fond fond memories of that mm -hmm. and yeah. it's just like i can smell it in my mind's eye you know <laughs> never mind it was like you know mixed with cigarettes and pipe tobacco <laughs> which was all totally unhealthy but that's like <laughs> that's a pleasant memory mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. for, for for better or worse <laughs> mm -hmm. for better or worse i think we're gonna leave it at that i have like yeah. a lot of notes for stuff to talk about <laughs> in the future <laughs> so we fill your brain to, we definitely have to come back to a lot of a lot of other stories um, yeah maybe i'll have a follow-up where oh, we like yes. like after the quarantine <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're definitely going to do that uh, at some point so uh, what foods have survived <laughs> <laughs> no, what do we'll you hate be, now <laughs> will be interesting will be interesting to see and we'll yeah. definitely do that maybe in a couple of months um, it's food for thought food for thought yeah definitely is um, and then I, I definitely also noted down we're going to have to interview your kids. Like, yeah. See what, yeah. what they like, what they think, and like what their their memories are, like cooking with you yeah. and cooking with with 
your husband and son. And what kinds of recipes are they concocting mm -hmm. right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you so much for, for doing this and for being here. Yeah, and this like, is great. We, we've, I think we, I said, we, we had a lot of really similar, it was really funny. I thought it would be very different. And it yeah. ended up like we had, had a very similar experiences in a lot of areas with like pasta and like Italian influences and so on. I mean, not to the mm -hmm. same extent, but it's it's super interesting for me to hear and to listen to that. <laughs> so it's funny, like, I mean, different parts of the world and still like somewhat similar experiences. That's food unites us that yeah, way. It, it does. It does. Um, so, yeah, thanks for doing this. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me online all over at The Mac Mommy, and I have a website, themacmommy.com. And if you're so inclined, you can tune in to the podcast that I do with um, Elisa and Mike, and it's called The Geekiest Show Ever. Mm -hmm. Definitely do that. I'm also a big fan of The Mac Mommy. That's, I think, in my, in my book, still the best name ever. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Instantly memorable. Like I, 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 I struggle sometimes to remember your proper name. I'm like, it's the Mac, it's the Mac Mommy. Like, uh-huh. Yep, that, that, that's all you that's need you. to know. It's, it's like that spaghetti noodle. It sticks. You yeah, know? it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you can find me all over the webs and everything I do at thepatrice.com, and you can find this very podcast at foodieflashback.com. And at Foodie Flashback on Twitter as well. And if you have another great story to share, just like Melissa just did, or a lot of stories in this case, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to take anything. Uh, foodie or not, doesn't matter. I literally recorded yesterday with someone who, like, I mean, you will already have heard about it now. Like, it was released before this one. Um, uh -huh. So I recorded with with Tom, and he's definitely not a foodie. And he still had a lot to talk about and a lot of fun stories. So if you have something like that, uh, then please reach out to me at either on Twitter or there's a little form on the website, foodieflashback.com. And then I'll be in touch and we'll set something up. And with that, this is the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Manja, manja. Manja, manja, manja.